Things really turned on for him as far as when he went to Virginia Tech. As soon as he stepped foot on campus, he was their starting left tackle. And we know uh, with the Vikings, they had a huge need, that left tackle right now. I know they bought Rashad Hill back and they bought some other depth type players, but there wasn't that 1A type of starter there at left tackle. Yo, what's up, Vikings fans? Welcome to this special KFAN draft recap edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. I'm your host, Gabe Henderson, alongside Chris Corso from the Vikings Entertainment Network and we all know the draft just ended. 2021 draft just ended. The Minnesota Vikings selected 11 picks. So for this special KFA in addition, we had to go get my guy, Jordan Reed, senior draft analyst from the Draft Network. My guy, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you hopping on. I know it's been a, a crazy past couple of weeks, even a, probably past couple of months for you, right? Yeah, you know, the draft is 365 for me. You know, there is fun seeing everything come together. This is stuff we do since last June with summer scouting and, you know, background checks and all that stuff. So to see it all come to fruition, it's kind of like Christmas Day for me. Some of the work you've been doing, I've I've been following it for a little bit here. I know the Vikings Entertainment Network, we um, lean on you on some of our written pieces and, and things of that nature, but I know you go back a little bit with Gabe here, so why don't you tell <laughs> the Vikings fans how you guys know each other and what the connection is here, because I was amazed hearing about it before the show. Yeah, so I think me and Gabe graduated the same year, high school in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm from High Point. Uh, I think him and his brother Jeff are from Raleigh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we're, we're both North Carolina boys. We do have something in common, though. His older brother was at North Carolina Central, the school, my alma mater. The year before I got there, he left and transferred to Liberty, I believe it was. Uh, he left to go to Liberty, and then I came from Winston-Salem State to go to North Carolina Central. And so I'm looking for a jersey number, and there was one single digit left, and it was the number eight. And they was like, man, this is reserved. The guy that, that he wore this before, like he was a dog. He was a good player. So I'm like, who could it have been? Because I, I don't really pay attention to recruiting classes or anything like that. Who got there before me? So they said, Jeff, like Jeff was a he was a good safety. Like he, he knocked people heads off. <laughs> you got big shoes to replace. So I'm like, OK, I'm willing to take on the number. So I take over the number and they're like, man, you're wearing this good. So after I graduate, I actually look up Jeff Henderson. He goes on to be a good player for Liberty. And he says, man, I had a little brother, Gabe. Um, yeah. and then me and Gabe had a connection. <laughs> I followed Gabe when he was with the Washington football team. And I was like, man, this dude sounds familiar. So I look him up and there was the connection with uh, me, Gabe and Jeff. So that's how we come full circle. And now we're both a big time Vikings people. Man, now. Small, so it's a world. small world. Small world. Small I'm glad world, to have man. you on. But I'll go a little further back than that. So when I was in high school, we both played quarterback in high school. And I remember my junior year always looking at your stats. And I was like, man, like. My man up here in, in High Point, Greensboro area, he's killing it. So, like, every single game I was like, okay, I got to get my stats to where Jordan's is or I got to – we got to beat this team. So, it, it, it all comes full circle, man. And I think you you held the number eight up right, finishing your college career eighth all-time in school passing yards, seventh in, uh, I think, career completions. I mean, you you were eighth in total offense. I mean, I can go on and go go on. But you, you held the number eight up perfectly. Now you are at the Draft Network killing it and covering the Minnesota Vikings and the Vikings 11 overall picks this year. I think it's the third straight year that we've had double-digit picks. Your, your thoughts, man? 
Yeah, and I mean, the Vikings draft is always interesting. I know draft day is something that Viking fans always look forward to just because Rick is very adamant about getting those double-digit amount of picks. And, you know, he, he wasn't really traded Rick this year outside of the first round. That's something that I know a lot of people, especially in you guys' building, weren't really accustomed to having no seventh-round picks this year. <laughs> That's something I'm sure you guys are happy about. But it was really exciting, the first round, starting off with Christian Derisaw, especially with the 14th overall pick. There were some good players left on the board. I know there were some players that linked to the Vikings at 14 overall, but he was able to recoup, slide back and get two third round selections um, that he ended up getting Kellen Mond. So he was able to get Christian Derrissaw, Wyatt Davis, and then Kellen Mond with, with those top three picks. I thought he did an outstanding job of addressing all of the needs that they did have, did, that they did have, especially, excuse me, uh, edge rusher was another area where I thought they needed some young depth, um, you know, losing some guys this off season. They were able to get Patrick Jones the second, who I thought was phenomenal. And then Janarius Robinson, who I'm really excited about. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there with those guys as well. And I really liked the day three picks as well that he was able to accumulate. You know, Cam Bynum was somebody that I was a big fan of. Jalen Twyman, who some people actually had mocked in the first round to the Vikings back in during the fall. So uh, I thought he did a really good job of addressing some of the needs that they did have. We're going to dive into each and every one of these picks with you because you clearly know exactly what's going on all the way down to, to Twyman with the last pick there. But I want to start at the start at the top with Christian Darisaw. And uh, when you hear Rick Spielman say that he wanted him with the 14th pick and then he makes a trade and gets him later on at 23, do you see Darisaw as one of the top left tackles in this class compared to some of the, the upper echelon guys that went earlier in the draft? Yeah. So crazy story that everybody asked me about Darius. So I have to tell it. So I have a connection. I have a story for everything for whatever reason. You got so all the connections. Circling, cir- circling back to North Carolina Central. So I actually was a coach there for five years. I coached there from 2013 to 2018. And Darius came out, I believe it was in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so he had one offer coming out of Fork Union. Always. That one offer, I was I was the one guy that offered him coming out when he was coming out of school prior to him going to Fork Union. Excuse me, he was at Riverdale Baptist in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. So he was this big, raw, 6'5", 270-pound kid. And I walk into the coach's office, and I'm like, I'm here to see Christian. And he was like, okay, I'll call him up. So he called him from class. He brings him in, and I see him. And I'm like, I'm sold. I don't need to see him. I don't need to see anymore. He didn't have any offers at the time. So I shook his hand, and I said, young man, you have your first offer. So uh, that's a story that I always like to tell. And then whenever you go and look in this 24-7 page, you see North Carolina Center there at the bottom. Because after that, Virginia Tech came in on him. And there were so many other schools that came in on him after that. So um, I ended up losing him. But, yeah, Christian, somebody that I have history with. Uh, I've been a big fan of Christian since he was coming out of Riverdale Baptist. It was just a matter of him just understanding what his physical gifts were. I don't think he really understood what he had in his possession at the time. And then you really saw it start to click for him once he attended Fork Union uh, Military uh, Union, uh, excuse me, a military college for one year where he was able to mature a little bit and then get his grades up at the time as well. But things really turned on for him as far as when he went to Virginia Tech. As soon as he stepped foot on campus, he was their starting left tackle. And we know uh, with the Vikings, they had a huge need that left tackle right now. I know they bought Rashad Hill back and they bought some other depth type players, but there wasn't that 1A type of starter there at left tackle. And, you know, we had been hearing stuff that Ezra Cleveland possibly was going to go over there. 
uh, Brian O'Neill possibly was going to go from right tackle to left tackle. But I, I think the Vikings did an outstanding job of really remaining coy about it. Rick Spielman is, you know, he he's never reveals his hand as far as what he's going to do in the draft. And the board felt perfectly for him getting Darisau. Now, I mean, we're expecting him to be the blindside protector for Kirk Cousins for the next 10 plus years. Yeah, and we always talk about um, the left tackle position, and Clint Kubiak always says that's the toughest position on the field to play on offense and the defensive side of the ball. You know, playing quarterback, you got to protect that blind side. But Christian Darisaw, how can he become, you know, a plug-and-play guy? Like, how does his game fit this Minnesota Vikings offense right now? Well, he's so smooth, and that's the thing that you notice about him. Everything is just effortless as far as his movement skills. His IQ is outstanding. Um, as far as how he's able to move as a pass protector, I think is outstanding as well. Something that you want to see a little bit better from him is just keeping that light on consistently uh, as far as his temperament. I think that was one of the reasons why he fell a little bit further, why he wasn't one of the first offensive tackles to go off of the board, you know, like a Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell. You want to see him show that nastiness a little bit more consistent. But come to find out, he was playing with a growing injury last year, which is something that's really hard for us to find out through the media and, you know, just listening to Rick Spielman talk after they made the selection. I think he had the surgery this past January. So that was one of the reasons why he wasn't able to go full throttle all the time. But if you watch him against Carolina and then you watch him against Miami, you're like, man, this dude looks like a top 10 to 12 draft pick. So that's why a lot of people had a lot of first round grades on Darisol and it eventually came to fruition. Another player who dropped was the quarterback that the Vikings selected in the third round. That's Kellen Mond at a Texas A&M. And I watched a lot of SEC football this year. I've seen him play. I've seen what he can do um, as a as just a dual threat quarterback, but also just in the pocket. Like people underestimate his arm and what he can do and how far he can throw the ball. I'm sure you've seen that video of him um, in, at his yeah. pro day at Texas A&M, but. What do you see in a Kellen Mond in the third round? It was a very intriguing pick for Rick Spielman. Yeah, he's actually a player I've gotten to know quite a bit throughout the process. And I was texting him the other day, and I was like, man, you landed in the great spot. He was like, man, you you predicted everything. <laughs> so we were just laughing back and <laughs> forth about that. But, yeah, Kellen, the, the thing that I like to use to describe him is that he was just consistently inconsistent throughout his, throughout his career. And he has a large sample size, started 47 career games, Uh, He played in 47 career games, excuse me, started 44, but you really start to saw him. You really start to see him turn that corner uh, when Jimbo Fisher took over his sophomore year. Kevin Sumlin was there his freshman year, but Jimbo bought that up-tempo offense. And I thought that really, I would say, uh, suited his skill set a little bit more. Uh, He is a little bit tight as far as the thrower, a little bit stiff, but as far as the arm strength, I think it's all there. The accuracy is there with him as well. Didn't play with a whole bunch of, um, I would say, upper echelon talent as far as around him at Texas A&M, but he still was able to uh, produce some really good numbers. I mean, he's a top of every single record. Uh, you name it, passing yards, completions, any type of record that top you can Johnny think of. Football. Yeah, any type of record you can think of at Texas A&M, you see Kellen Mond at the top. So as far as what I like to call a lottery ticket on day two with these with these mid-round quarterbacks, he definitely was my favorite of some of the guys that we saw. We saw Kyle Trask go at the end of the second round. We saw Davis Mills go directly after Kellen Mond. So as far as those three guys, he definitely was my favorite of the three. But the great thing about the situation that he's in now, he's not going to be asked to play right away. He can sit behind Kirk, you know, for a year or two, learn behind a very seasoned, uh, very good veteran quarterback, just learn the ropes. So maybe uh, he maybe can take over in the future. Uh, but if not, I think this is a good pickup for the Vikings as far as a backup. We'll be back with more of Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, but first... The Vikings Entertainment Network takes you inside the walls of the TCO Performance Center each week via the Minnesota Vikings podcast, which features exclusive guests, including players, 
coaches, staff, and experts across the NFL. Listen to interviews, press conferences, highlights, quotes from the locker room, and much more. Subscribe on all major podcast platforms to listen. And for information, visit vikings.com slash MVP. All right, welcome back to this special KFAN draft recap edition of Vikings Fancies presented by Pepsi. We got Jordan Reed here. Another quarterback selected by the Vikings, wait, a linebacker, Chaz Surratt out of UNC. I know Gabe goes back to the Tar Hill boy. Yeah, he goes back to the Carolina <laughs> days. So we got all the connections on the show tonight. But yeah. what do you see in him? And what is, I know Adam Zimmer goes and he watches these guys at their pro days and, and whatever it might be. But clearly he saw something in this guy to take him that early um, in the draft. And to add on to that, to Corso's question, you play quarterback. So talk about the mindset that you have to switch from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. Good question. It seems like I have a connection to every Vikings draft pick this year for whatever reason. So when I was coaching quarterbacks at North Carolina Central, and I used to, in the summer, I used to help out. I used to go over to Chapel Hill back when Chaz was actually playing quarterback, and he was one of the counselors over there. So I have experience with Chaz back when he was playing quarterback. And, you know, very smart individual. That's one thing that you notice about him. Knows the ins and outs of not only the offensive side, but also the defensive side as well. And just to harp on your point, Gabe, I think that really helped him as far as playing linebacker, just because as far as little tips that you can use, you already knew what was coming as far as a run game aspect. Whenever you see pullers coming in the run game, you know, to attack the ball, he already has a natural feel and pass coverage just because he used to, he's used to reading the football field as far as passing concepts where routes are going, was entering and exiting his zone. So he's already well-polished in those areas. I think he's going to be the perfect Eric Wilson replacement. I think that's what, what he's going to be asked to do as far as a high energy linebacker. That's probably going to play at that wheel spot. I know he played primarily Mike when he was at Carolina, but I think he's probably going to play more of a wheel linebacker role for the Vikings, which is what Eric Wilson did last year when he filled in for Anthony Barr. But special teams, he's going to be on every single one. And I just like the energy that he brings to the table as well. So I think he's the perfect type of Eric Wilson replacement. So I always tell people, you know, moving from quarterback to another position, no matter what the position is, the game just slows down because at quarterback, you got to know everything. I played quarterback in college and I moved to receiver (laughs) and it's just like, man, I only got to worry about one thing. So I can only imagine, you know, Chas Surratt's progression once he mastered the middle linebacker position. But I want to go back to the quarterback position because you got to have somebody to block for the quarterback. And we just signed a guy in Wyatt Davis. I'm still shocked he, he fell to us. Yeah, me too. And once again, similar to Twyman, who we'll touch on a little bit later, he was a player that was mocked in the first round of a lot of drafts in August and September, just because this was a pretty down interior offensive line class. That's what it was thought to be initially. But Wyatt Davis was one that was near the top in every single mock draft, you know, with the Vikings. Uh, with the need as far as interior and line, interior offensive line depth, excuse me, Wyatt Davis was one that was mocked very frequently to the Vikings for them to get him in the third round. I think this was easily the best value that they got of any draft pick. And we know they've done a really good job of creating interior offensive line competition and, you know, bringing back Dakota Dozier and some of these other guys that they have already brought back. I think he's going to be in the mix as far as to be a starter from day one. I said this to Gabe, but I watched a lot of Ohio State football uh this past season and am i just a loser for absolutely loving the big name big school interior linemen like the guys who were a part of a big time offense you saw what they did in the run game you saw what they did in the passing game with justin fields but like i i feel like that's typical of me but like when i saw the ohio state starting left guard available at that spot i couldn't believe it 
No, I mean, you're not wrong for that at all, Chris. And I mean, we're talking about a player that did opt out of the 2020 season just to show the magnitude of what evaluators thought of him coming into the year. This was a player that some people thought were going to be a top 50 selection prior to him opting out. And he, 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 he battled through some injuries last year. I know that affected him at Ohio State's first pro day as well to where he wasn't able to do some things. So we'll see if he is recovered from that. But I think he's going to be ready to go from day one. And we know. I think they they need to do a better job as far as creating some competition at those guard spots. I think Ezra Cleveland did a really good job coming in at right guard. So there's a question mark at that left guard spot. And like I said, they bought Dozier back. They bought Wyatt Davis in. And they've done a really good job of creating some competition at that spot, which is all you can ask for. I want to talk about Kane Wangu and Amir Smith-Marset, who battled it out in college at Iowa and Iowa State. But they're already also going to battle it out as a kick returner and punt returner, what do both of those guys bring to the table? Well, I'll just start with Nwangu. He was one of my guys this draft season, and this was an easy projection for the Vikings just because we've seen in years past, they always like to take a shot on a day two or day three, even undrafted free agent running back. And it goes back to Dalvin Cook, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Michael Boone, Mike Boone, um, and even Alexander Madison, who I think was a day three selection as well. So they always like to take that analytically driven type of running back. And even though they might have not had that production that you're looking for, they love those guys that are just athletic, uh, that Coach Palomalu can coach up and hope to get better at the position. And that's what you get with Nwangu. He's never had 350 rushing yards in his career, but he's been behind some really good players. David Montgomery, we've seen what he's been able to do with the Bears. And they have a running back there now at Iowa State. And Brees Hall, who's one we'll be talking about a lot next year, probably is our early round selection so he was behind some dudes at Iowa State but the area where he's going to bring the most value is on kick returns averaged almost 30 yards per kick return and we know the Vikings were in need of a return specialist but also some competition for Amir Abdullah at that running back three spot Um, and I think Nwangu I think he's one player that's really going to surprise a lot of people he's not going to play a big role I don't think he's ever going to overtake that running back two spot behind Alexander Madison but as far as somebody that can get you um, you know, some explosive plays on third down, or he can be a standout player uh, as a return specialist. I think he definitely can be that. He already said he wants to learn how to return punts as well. So providing some more competition there for KJ Osborne, uh, I think is another area where he can help out as well. And then Amir Smith-Marset, uh, this was one of my favorite picks of the Vikings, just because I've been begging them to address Uh, just provide some more competition for that wide receiver three spot. They've done a good job of filling it with BC Johnson and no Chad Beebe, but we've never had that guy that can just consistently take the top off the defense. So opening things up for Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson underneath, but we've really never had that over the top guy that consistently puts stress on the defense on the third level. And that's exactly what Amir Smith-Marset can do. One of my favorite picks of this draft was the Florida State defensive end, Janarius Robinson. I just, when you look at a guy who's like a fifth year senior who looks like a grown man already and can come in and do um, what he can do at, at the level um, that Andre Patterson is going to ask. It, did you did you like this pick? Because I know he's a player that didn't really have too much production um, his last season with Florida State. But Andre Patterson, he was on this very show a couple weeks ago, and he said, I don't care how many sacks they have in college. I'm looking for a couple things out of these guys. And clearly, Robinson has exactly what Andre Patterson is looking for. Yeah, I mean, Coach Patterson is unbelievable as far as developing talent. And he just wants to. So the basic way that I like to put it is that 
Rick Spielman is the guy that goes grocery shopping. And then Andre Patterson is the cook in the kitchen, the cook in the kitchen, excuse me. He's the one that is chefing it up and he's doing everything. He just sprinkles his magic over it. And that's exactly what Janarius Robinson is. I mean, 86 and one fourth wingspan. Um, I mean, six foot five, 260 pounds, just an absolute specimen. But he, he was a little bit underdeveloped at Florida State. But with Coach Patterson, we've seen what he's been able to do with guys like Stephen Wesley, who they just bought back, and Daniil Hunter, of course, who was his most prized pupil during this time in Minnesota. Getting a guy like Janarius Robinson that already has that length, which you can't coach. He's already fantastic against the run, just needs to add some, some pass rush moves. But what better coach to have by his side than – than Andre Patterson. So I'm a big fan of the selection. Also, Patrick Jones is, is in a similar situation as well, as far as somebody that needs a little bit of development, as far as just developing some moves and then a counter move as well, just having some answers to win offensive linemen get their hands on them. But as far as those big moldable pieces of clay, I think the Vikings really stuck to their identity with that. Is Cameron Bynum another piece of clay that needs to be molded in the, in the safety room or DB room? Well, it's going to be a little bit different for him, honestly, Gabe, just because he's played four seasons at corner. And you know, with your experience at safety, it's a little bit different when you're on the roof of a defense. You're seeing the whole picture now as opposed to one side of the field. So it's going to be a little bit of a transition for him. So I think it's going to take a couple of years for him to develop. But, you know, once again, having that depth back there with guys like Harrison Hand, who they seem to be very high on as well, creating that competition and just having those guys get better day in and day out while Mike Zimmer, uh, and these other coaches are coaching them up. I think that's going to help him a ton. I like the way he uh, picked up that speaker and ran in his backyard <laughs> and jumped in, yeah. jumped in the lake. That's what I, I think. I think he brings some excitement as well. Gabe had a question. We were talking before the show, and he's like, I, I want to ask Jordan who his favorite day three pick for the Vikings was. And, and you go all the way down the list when you, when you look at all of these players for all the teams. So who's your favorite day three selection? It probably would be Twyman. Uh, just because I'm really interested to see how he looks now, especially with the year off. And I thought Rick Spielman's, I think he made some really valid points as far as why he ran so poorly at the pro day. I think he ran like five, five or something like that, but uh, he's much more explosive than that on tape. And what he was saying that he gained about 25 pounds at his pro day, just because he wanted to show evaluators that he could play that three technique spot. I think he weighed like 318 or something like that. He played at 295 when he was at Pitt. So that just goes to show you that he gained a ton of weight. But he did that just because he was trying to improve strength. And then he had a year off as well. But we're talking about a guy that some people had as the ACC Defensive Player of the Year coming into last year prior to him knocking out. He had 10 and a half sacks for an interior defensive lineman, I think was the most uh, since Aaron Donald, if I'm not mistaken. It was the first time an interior guy led the team in sacks. So we know he's super explosive. Um, and I, I'm, I have high expectations for him. I, I will put that out there uh, just because a late round guy, um, for him, for somebody John, like that, John Randall, John I, Randall, vibes, I wouldn't go that no? far now. I w- <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about <laughs> That's what Andre said. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I have high expectations for him just because he was, he was, he was picked as an early round guy coming into the process, but that year off, I think obviously negatively affected him and caused him to dwindle down the draft board a little bit. But once again, it goes back to value. I think they got terrific value in the sixth round for him. Man, absolutely, man. I feel like we can talk to you forever, but we got to get out of here. So Jordan, always a pleasure talking to you. I know we'll catch up in the off season between now and the, I guess August, September, right? I guess you'll be in Minnesota between now and then. So in the meantime, man, stay safe, stay healthy and Vikings fans. Thank you again for tuning into another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. Jordan, thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me.